Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Hello, welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. And some of you are seeing us on Facebook Live. Others will be listening to us in a podcast form. I am Jim Haney, Executive Director. I am Amanda Walton, Peer Services Coordinator with MPM. Thanks so much for tuning in today to another episode. We're going to be talking today, Amanda and I are going to be visiting about the use of technology in recovery. It's just important to understand that that we have a wealth of knowledge at our fingertips that, that, that hasn't always been there in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I like this topic personally, and I think part of the reason that I like it is because when I started in recovery 25 years ago, I didn't have a cell phone. I mean, cell phones weren't, they were just sort of coming around. And when I think about this topic today about how to use technology in my recovery or how to train peer supporters to use technology or peers, you know, our members, you know, it takes me back to, um, you know, I was, was in the 90s, mid 90s, and I went to my local library, you know, um, and checked out books and spent hours sitting in the library, reading books and looking stuff up and cross-referencing and using the card catalog and like all of these, these things. Right. Right. And there was a wealth of knowledge. I can remember doing interlibrary loans where you check out a book from another library and you got to wait, you know, a week or whatever, and they got to ship it over or whatever. Right. You check it out and then you, you know, you had the book for whatever, two weeks or something. And, but that was, that was how I educated myself on my diagnosis, medication. I can remember reading biographies, autobiographies about people, famous people who were in recovery or who had experienced mental health diagnosis. Like you take like a Abraham Lincoln, you know, suffered from depression. Mm-hmm. They called it melancholia. But I mean, I, I read the book, you know, I didn't have this phone to like, look, look stuff up at home and, you know, and, and all that. So I think about that uh, today and how cool it is that people have this wonderful tool in their purse or their pocket. Right. It's, it's transformational. Personally, I, I, my the, in the first stages of my recovery it's very similar to the methods that you used and i actually still rely a lot on books that i can read to facilitate my my inner awareness and self regulation and just just doing a lot of internal self work i prefer the hard copy because uh, part of my issue is is you know the the phone if i look at it for too long it's a struggle but the cool thing is that there is so many different things available through our cell phones, right? Right. We have recovery blogs. We have access to stories and documentaries, podcasts, uh, recovery communities and social media apps. 
tons of apps. We just have to look for them and right. we can have it right then in the moment without having to wait for an appointment or for somebody to call us back. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's really transformational in, in our own healing experience because it's just right there available. Yeah. 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 I often wonder why treatment facilities, whether you're talking about SUD or or mental health or whatever, I often wonder why they don't utilize apps more. You know, I always think about that. I'm always like, how come they don't, you know, I mean, I know, I know one facility that has housing, right? So they have housing, they give people phones so that they can always call their peer supporter, call the LAC, but they don't preload them with a bunch of recovery apps. And I'm always asking them about it. I'm like, did you get the recovery apps on the phones? Are you preloading them? No. And it's like, to me, it's a missed opportunity because it, it is like having a library, just like you had hardcover books, softcover books. It's the same, it's the kind of the equivalent, except it's multiplied by the entire world. Absolutely. Right? You know, like you could have in your library, you know, six or eight biographies, autobiographies about famous people who overcame substance use, for example. But if you go on YouTube and you put in, you know, there's like a million videos, like there's, it'd be like having a library that has all of these books in there. It's like almost unlimited. And whether it's an autobiography or a biography, it's just at your fingertips and you want to learn about what other people did or how they overcame it. And then you have all the regular folks like us who put their own stories up there. They have their own channels. Um, and I think it's just fascinating. Right. I, I really do. I think that having that literally walking around with you is like this recovery resource. And I think we need more people aware of it and using it and sharing it and, and talking, you know, and talking like if you're a peer supporter, you should be talking to every client about putting some recovery apps on their phone. Oh, I absolutely agree. And, and the awareness is such an important piece because if we're not aware that it's there, then are we going to even seek it out? So right. getting, getting that information out there, um, it, you know, if somebody's in, if somebody's in a moment of crisis, knowing that they have a resource available at their fingertips could be the difference between them ending up being suicidal or even worse, even completing it, right? And, and stopping it right then in the moment, okay, I'm gonna start working on this, I'm gonna redirect some things. We can circumvent a lot of the more serious issues that we experience in our, our healing journey. We, we just, we don't have to be in a place and a space of, of such constant and consistent aloneness and pain whenever we have tools available there just to help us immediately. I right. think that that is, it's a game changer. Yeah. It really is. And, and even I sometimes forget, I'll be going through something that's, that's taken the wind out of my sails immediately. And I'll reach out to somebody to talk to, but, but I forget that right here in my electronic device, you know, phone, iPad, whatever I've got, right. I can connect with anyone. There's no longer a reason for me to feel alone and secluded because the reality is I'm never alone. And there's a huge, a vast community of people that experience the same things and need the same supports and are there to help each other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think you have some picked out. You have some specific apps 
that you wanted to wanted to talk about, right? Absolutely. So one that has been really meaningful for me, it's, it's called neurocycling. It was previously known as switch um, and it's based on, on neuroscience. And whenever I'm in a moment of distress or usually it's a thought that's behind the feeling or behind the thought that's causing the distress and using that app, I'm able to address each thought individually. And yes, it is a, it is a journey because it, it, you address one thought over a period of time to reprogram how you think about things on a subconscious level with that specific experience and situation. And, and you know, um, we address false beliefs. We're able to consider reframing our perception of the experience that's been holding us hostage as far as trauma. And whenever we're able to do that, then we can create new thoughts and that actually regenerates the, the neurons in our brain that have been destroyed because of medications because of substance use because of of cycling through the same belief system for decades so that one's really really cool uh, we can address our stress thought by thought and uh, work on on changing uh, those things that are the innermost parts of ourselves that that we often don't consider in the moment so that's that's really cool you can track your progress there's there's um, it promotes journaling and all of that and journaling has been a big part of my experience but that's even a piece that we can do on our phones, right? Yep. Um, there's another app called What's Up, a mental health mm. app. And I recently um, installed that one and started using it. And what I really like about that one, and similar to another one called PTSD Coach, there are specific sections that help you manage symptoms, uh, track your progress. Uh, specifically on the What's Up app, it has sections for help right now coping strategy, strategies, educational information uh, on anxiety, depression, a variety of mental health concerns and conditions. And then one that I really, really like is this one built into this app. It has a section for digital diary. So we can record our progress, we can record our thoughts, our positive and negative uh, beliefs and habits, and it's right there and we can track it. So that means if I've used this app for a year, I can go back and I can recall and it's really empowering when we when we're able to see our progress in that way right because a lot of times when we're in a journey we don't recognize the differences that that we've experienced where other people might and it's when we look back at a specific time frame it can be really powerful and and motivating to see just how we have changed and and for the better for ourselves in a, in a period of time often shorter than what we mm -hmm. what we realize right so i really i really really like that one i, I had a, a bit of information and, and the, this the the what's up app actually provides this information whenever you first load it i wrote it down because it was impactful and these are statistics from the world health organization on mental health and Estimated, it's estimated that between 500 million people across the globe suffer from depression alone every year. Depression alone. And again, these are ones that are tracked and reported. So think about the ones that don't seek help, the ones sure. that, that feel like they're sure. alone. Many more suffer from other mental health illnesses and issues. Um, in any given year, as many as one in five people will experience some form of mental illness. In some countries, the US included, as many as one in four young people. So our, our tomorrow's youth, our tomorrow's leaders, our, our youth today are currently experiencing mental health issues, mental health conditions. Many of them are not seeking help. 
wherever we are, we can access help and dealing with our own thoughts and beliefs, which are the foundation to a lot of a lot of the mental health illnesses that we have. And then that lead, of course, to other choices, other behaviors that, that are not necessarily best for us, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the those are the two those are the few that I really have a lot of experience with. Another one I've used for a couple of years is called the Aura app. And that one is a mindfulness app for guided meditation. It's really helpful if you're stressed or really you're you're intense or in crisis um, in the moment. And it just helps redirect and calm through meditation. So close your eyes, imagery, uh, guided uh, practices that, that help you redirect and ground and recenter yourself so that you can work through and, and not be in crisis mode through whatever you're experiencing. So nice. um, I really, I really like that one too. But as far as, as far as the tools that are profoundly helpful, the neurocycling has been amazing for me. And I really enjoy the WhatsApp uh, mental health app. I know I'm going to, my intention is to continue using both of them. So nice. yeah. um, spread the word on them, obviously, to people that I am in contact with that could use them as well. That's great. So what would you say to a peer supporter who's just hearing this podcast and, you know, and they're like, oh, geez, I never thought about apps. I mean, how would you coach them up and how to best utilize that? Like, you know, they're sitting down with, with a peer. They've never done that before. They've never had that conversation before. What would you, what would you say to that peer supporter? One of the most important things that we can do as a peer is know the resources that are available to us so that we can model using them and referring ourselves to them whenever we're in distress. And, you know, we have, many of us have work phones or even cell phones um, with us in the office. Mm-hmm. We can, or, or wherever it is that we're meeting with a peer, we can pick up our phone and show them, you know, mm-hmm. show them because if they actually see it, we can be supportive through speaking out, searching through apps, through social media, mm-hmm. finding you know YouTube, other kinds of um, podcasts and blogs and such that are available, and that's you know whatever they can identify with us on. This is something that we actually use. We are modeling it for right. them. Right. That's that's very influential and very impactful, and it. it to me, I would be more more apt to seek out and use something that's one recommended by a peer that I trust Mm -hmm. and two you know they've shown me where it is and helped me install ones that I'm interested in especially with apps on my phone Mm -hmm. so that it's readily available I can tap my screen and I can access it I don't even really have to go searching for it Mm -hmm. whenever I'm in distress Mm -hmm. Um, or I want to just maintain and, and make it a daily habit so I can consistently start improving in my life and so I think it's it's profoundly impactful and influential for us in our own journey as peer specialists and, and our own re- healing and recovery, but also to, to model that and demonstrate that and doing with as far as supporting them in, in um, finding apps and, and uh, applications modalities that are that are of interest to each one of the, the peers that we work with, mm-hmm. that we support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, right on point there. I think we got to know, we have to know how to use the app so we can demonstrate it just like any other tool. If you were doing a rap, a rap 
plan, W-R-A-P, with somebody. It's important you've read the book, you've done the RAP plan, you have experience with it, right? Same thing with the apps. I think that's really important. And then to actually be able to show somebody right on your own phone or help them download it onto their phone. Some of them I know have like sort of like setups when you first download it. Sometimes you have to enter some information in to kind of get it going, right? And so that's a great that's a great skill building opportunity to work with somebody. And we're only talking about apps. You know, you mentioned YouTube and how might somebody utilize YouTube in their recovery? So I, I watch a lot of podcasts on YouTube. Um, there's a wealth of information there. It's, it's just like, sometimes you can it, it's attend a webinar, attend a meeting because it's, posted on YouTube so that it can access as many people as, you know, access the globe. Uh, there's not really any restriction. And so, you know, if, if you don't have a specific app on your phone, you can find that you can do a search in YouTube and find anything from music to meditation to there's, there's, if you're having trouble sleeping, even you can listen to, to it's called binaural beats. It's a type of music that, that helps you achieve and maintain REM sleep so that you wake up feeling more rested, which definitely impacts our mental health, right? And, you know, the neurocycling, that app, um, the author of that app has books, but also podcasts on YouTube weekly. So that's another way that we can connect. You know, often the app that we may have on our phone have blogs, podcasts, websites that we can visit for even additional information so that we can really take the opportunity and leverage um, the, the tools that are available to us to get the most fulfillment out of them. Right, right. And you can like and subscribe, right? Which is what you, you wanna do when you find a, a YouTube channel that you really like, you can click on it and then it'll come up automatically when you pull up your YouTube, it'll give you sort of that list. And then of course there's the little button where you can look at the ones you've subscribed to in the past and you have, you know, the more you have, obviously the list gets bigger and bigger, but you can easily sort through them. One of the things that, that I really like, you know, Ted talks, I mean, they're all different now, like all these branch off, but there's a lot of them on mental health and recovery and substance use trauma. There's some really good ones and I find them, you know, really inspiring. And that's the tool that I use through the use of technology, that's not an app. You know, I don't do it through the app, but you can do the search, you know, if you're looking for something in particular, or maybe I just need a little pep talk. And that's the other piece I like about them is that they're short. So 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, and packed with a lot of information, presented nicely, the camera's nice and steady, the audio's good, all those kinds of things, right? It's a, a professional kind of setup, but there's a bunch of them that I've watched many times over. I think that's another really good tool for people to think about, you know, and you can watch it on your phone, you can watch it at home, you can pull it up on your television. Like there's so many things when we start talking about technology, even what we're doing right here, 
And you think about, right, you can go on Facebook and there's like, there's bipolar groups where people get together and, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're getting to know each other, they're supporting each other, they're sharing, you know, tips and, and resources with one another, but they're connecting, they're networking together and you can meet people from all different parts of the world. Some of the people might even be closer to you than you realize who are using the same the same thing, right? And you can begin connecting with folks. And that's a huge piece of recovery. And you mentioned this uh, alone, you know, feeling alone. And I think um, technology allows us to better connect. And, and I also feel like you could get yourself into trouble by going to sites that are not recovery oriented or not wellness oriented and then being vulnerable, disclosing you have a mental health condition or, you know, substance use, right, or trauma. What are your thoughts about that? So... Honestly, that kind of ties into uh, a thought I had earlier. You had mentioned how some recovery facilities don't allow or don't don't have apps. A lot of times, are are in those in those facilities, older-fashioned belief system is that in the first stages of recovery, it's about limiting your contact with the outside world, and. So in, in those situations, you know, you can, you can have contact with people that are not healthy for you. You can it, it maintain contact with people that for legal reasons, you shouldn't be, you know, one of the things in recovery, they say change your playground and your playmates. And if you have access to your previous playmates, while you're starting your recovery journey, you might not make the progress and you still have those connections that, so it's, it's more tempting afterwards, but I can understand the concept of, you know, really being cautious about the interactions that you have, the communications that you have. And, you know, if, you, if we're using it specifically to access um, support apps and support through the website or, you know, through the internet, that's, that's one thing. There are measures that can be established. You can put blocks for certain people. You can put blocks for certain content and websites. You can actually restrict everything and then put in the specific sites and apps that you will allow. So, so those are definitely some safeguards that are that are combating the thought process of, of complete seclusion aside from others that are working on healing at the same time that you are. And you know, sometimes that's even that that's hard for me too. Um, whenever I was in treatment, my experience, you know, I I had I was surrounded by people that that were struggling too and um, sometimes that was a barrier, you know, that was, that was a, a struggle for me. And, and I fell back, you know, I, I backtracked in my, my healing for a period of time because I, I was absorbing all of the stuff around me as well while I'm trying to work on my own stuff. And uh, it just, it, it, I felt like it made it more difficult. And then, you know, whenever you're secluded from your family and your support system outside, that's, that's not, I don't, I personally don't believe that that's the best um, scenario either. So, you know, being able to maintain that communication and that connection with those that we care about, those that have been support for us. And, you know, whenever I was at my worst, just hearing my child's voice on the phone, yes, it, would, it was bittersweet, but 
man, that gave me that drive and that motivation to just continue, right? Knowing that that I could talk to them. And so it was really, really hard during the first 30 days or so of treatment when they wouldn't allow me to have contact with anybody outside of the facility. I mean, I, I, I like I said, I get why, but there's so many safeguards now that are available that, that there's not really... There's not really a reason to continue that way. Well, if you want more information about this, we have a resource page on the mtpeernetwork.org website. Go to resources. There's a section there for mobile apps. This is where we list apps that we feel like are relevant and important, ones that we, someone on the staff, you know, members would recommend. And uh check it out and download some stuff. You know, I put stuff on my phone and then my sort of thing is like about every six months, if I haven't used it, I just delete it. I just take it off. And then I put a couple different ones on and then I try those. And if I use them, you know, and the ones that have stayed on my phone long-term, those are the ones that I'm using. Those are the ones I'm accessing and the recovery apps that might be helpful to somebody else might not be helpful to me. I just take them off and put some different stuff on. So I really encourage people to explore the use of technology with their own recovery, or if you're a peer supporter, exploring how you might integrate technology into your work as a, as a peer supporter. Absolutely. Any, any final thoughts, Amanda? You know, just reminding ourselves that we're, we, can, we can be empowered to seek the help that we need. It's at our fingertips. We no longer have a reason to feel disconnected and alone. Um, there's resources out there uh, anytime, anywhere that are as unique to our individual journeys as there are a number of people in the world. So, you know, it, it's tailored to each one of us. We can find what we need. We just have to be willing to look. Great. Well, thank you to, to the audience for tuning in. And Amanda, I want to thank you for another great episode. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs> recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.